Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Wendy Sellers, the HR lady. Today, I am here with JC. Hey, it's a pleasure. We are going to be talking about some weird stuff today. No, like literally, we are going to be talking about unique and weird employment laws in the United States. So definitely grab a pen unless you're driving, then please don't. And we're going to have five (laughs) episodes to talk about some you know, wacky employment laws um, that employers across the country should know in order to stay out of court, stay out of the news and stay out of our podcast. Yeah, absolutely, Wendy. You know, human resource professionals constantly encounter new and and extremely strange HR laws. They really do. All of you out there know this. And some of the strangest workplace regulations in the United States. Yeah, we're going to touch on them right here. And look, although they are prevalent in the workplace today, non-compete clauses, Wendy, are not enforceable, believe it or not, in North Dakota. (laughs) Non-compete agreements can only be made by business partners as well as by business buyers and sellers. That's not Wendy Sellers. That's sellers. (laughs) Employees are not permitted to sign them either. What do you think about that one right there? I actually did know about that one for some strange reason. I, I've worked with a lot of companies that, uh, you know, had one employee here or one, one location there. And honestly, a lot of the times that we as HR professionals um, figure this stuff out is by falling on our face, to be quite honest. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Um, I was just in North Dakota recently, and so I'm not completely surprised by, by that law. But it, a little bit of me says, you know what? hey, they, they're onto something there because uh, we make it pretty restrictive with non-compete for employees to leave a bad company um, and to you know continue a living without having to physically get up and move their entire family. Yeah. You know, not fair. You, you head to another place like Arkansas when non-compete and non-solicitation agreements are very wide, overly wide and Arkansas employers need to amend them, they have to start over entirely. In fact, the entire agreement must be thrown out, and the employers must start over from scratch. The courts won't permit changes to the agreements, so they can't be made. Yeah, there's also a lot of um, unique and wacky and um, maybe useful, maybe not laws throughout the country regarding salaries, regarding if you can... Uh, you know, share salary information regarding if you can ask your candidates or your employees what they made in previous positions. And now I know some of you that are listening today go, whoa, 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 we can't ask that in an interview. And for the most part, if you were my client, I would tell you, please don't, please don't. (laughs) Erring on the side of caution, safety is always key, right? Yeah, absolutely. State of California. State of California is notorious for having trouble with human resource compliance. And it calculates overtime in a different way than the federal government, believe it or not. Given that the federal overtime regulations recently changed, this part is borderline noteworthy, right? So in California, after working 40 straight hours, employees are compensated at time and a half for the first eight hours. 
of the seventh consecutive day. That that sounds right now, Wendy, that sounds like there's two trains speeding on the tracks at 100 miles an hour. And what's Ted's name? It's that confusing yeah. to me, you know, but it's look, very confusing. If an employee works more than 12 hours a day or more than eight hours, seven days in a row, they're also entitled to double compensation. Yeah, California is a is a crazy one. Uh, they are definitely employee centric, not employer centric, which many states, um, you know, their laws basically protect employers. I would say most states, the laws are more geared toward protecting employers, but than the employees who we need to, you know, make the state uh, profitable or just the, the businesses. So. It's interesting. I've worked in California. I've never physically lived there, but I have worked with quite a few businesses as an HR director um, and then as a consultant with with California. And uh, the interesting thing is one time way back in the day when when I was much younger and and I was with an organization that we did a lot of um, mergers and acquisitions. And one of our big mergers was a company that had most of their business on the West Coast of the United States. And we had most of our business at that time on the East Coast and Midwest. And we merged into one company and there was an HR director over there. She, she basically said, I'm going to lose my job, aren't I? I'm like, oh, heck no, you're getting California and all those crazy states out there. Uh, New England states, too, though, are also, I feel like California, the West Coast, uh, the entire West Coast, um, literally along the Pacific Ocean, and then New England states tend to definitely be more protective of employees. Um, I, I recently was dealing with a client as a consultant. We were recruiting, um, and, and then she literally said, we can hire anywhere in the United States, even Alaska, Hawaii, but we will not hire out of California. Oh, because, wow. yeah, and it was hard. It, was, it sucked because, those employees or those candidates were, you know, were right there and they were right what we needed. It was a technology firm, um, but they, the company itself was not prepared to deal with all of the requirements, the legal requirements of being a company there. So not just even the salary part, but of applying to be the, a company there and all the, all the requirements and taxes and and um, insurances. So, right, right. you know, there's, there's pros and cons. And the reason I'm sharing this, JC, is because for those of you that are listening today, if you are expanding across the United States, a uh, virtual workforce or physical, you do have to know that many states require you to physically apply to be a business um, in their state, even if you're not there, even if you're just remote. So you still may need to have an application in whatever their department is, Department of Labor, that's State Department of Labor, Bureau of Licenses. It's it's something different in every state. And so for the for the people that um, are listening today and you say, oh, wait, I have a, an employee in California or I have a remote employee in Ohio, you really need to go back to maybe your accounting team, your legal team, if you have one, and say, are we registered as a business there? And if we're not, what does that mean? I could tell you if you're not registered as a business in California, you're not you're going to be uh, you're going to be caught really quick. Some other states it may be years. So, so we don't want you to be in trouble with the state and get taxed <laughs> out the wazoo. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, that there's always been that million dollar question on the table. You know, when do you actually get paid from the employee perspective? 
when does that paycheck hit? And you know, in New Hampshire, new legislation makes salary information much more clear, regardless of whether an employee is paid daily, weekly, bi-monthly, semi-monthly, or annually, the employer is required to give them written notice of their pay rate or compensation at the time of hire and any time that it changes. The specific procedures utilized to determine pay must also be specified in the notifications together with the pay date and location. Yeah, I mean, doesn't that just make sense? <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering what they used to do till then. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll pay you. It's coming. It's in the mail. Well, I, the check's in the mail. I could, I could 100% tell you that there is a reason for this law and every state should have it. They're not going to, but they should because how many times I'm dealing with clients of all sizes, even when I was, uh, you know, in corporate HR too, and there, there you'd go into organizations say, I want to see your orientation package. I want to see your new hire letter, your new hire package. And in that, it rarely says in the offer letter, if there is an event, if there even is an offer letter, oh, this is when you're going to get paid. What it might say is we get paid every other week. But that doesn't say, well, when does that start? When's my first paycheck? And how do I get paid? And where do I go pick up the check? Or is it direct deposit? And how do I make that happen? But a lot of times I see this it, with large companies too, that we in HR, and I'll just blame HR because I'm the HR lady, but could be payroll, could be some someone else. If there's not an HR department, we just think, oh, well, we'll get to that. But we don't really realize, well, that's what the employee needs to know now. Yeah. So they, they and their family could figure out when is the first check coming? Is it going to be a half check? going to be a full check? How do I get it? Literally, how do I pay my rent? And when will I get my first check? And then when can I expect the rest of it? So uh, for those folks that are listening, if you are one of those companies and you're sitting there going, you know, oh, we don't say it in our new hire package either. Please add it in there. Um, in the offer letter when they get paid, not just orientation day, because if you if they agreed to an offer and they don't start for two or three weeks, their family might be planning out, okay, when's our last check going to hold us through from the previous job or unemployment? And then when is our new check going to come? So when can we bridge the gap of getting groceries, paying the water bill, whatever it might be? So these, these weird and unique and sometimes wacky laws are, are very important. Bef before we move on, I want to jump back to this California law real quick sure. about um, just about uh, daily overtimes, because I did do a lot of work in California at one point. Um, I've dabbled in it in the past few years, but you know their, their law basically says that if um, you work overtime, uh, so you're an hourly employee, you work more than eight hours on a Monday, yeah. even if you only work at four hours, the rest of the week, you get, say, let's just say you work 10 hours on Monday. You are supposed to get overtime for Monday, even if you don't work 40 hours for that whole pay week. Now, there's some ways around Ooh. this, and you have to get all your employees to kind of vote on it and agree to it. Again, I haven't worked in California for, for a while as a, a full-time HR director or a full-time HR consultant, but it is very important for you to know those laws, but there are some ways around it. Um, and I don't really mean it to like to get away with it, but to get everybody on the same page. So anybody here is in California, you probably know what I'm talking about. If you have one employee in California. I encourage you 
to join some kind of California HR association, um, follow some California specific employment lawyers on social media, you know, enroll and get their newsletters emailed to you, stalk them on LinkedIn, um, make sure you're doing the right thing because California and a lot of other states are out to protect their employees, not the employer. Isn't it, isn't it so that, um, I, I may stand corrected here, but didn't Sherm have a specific California HR law class or certification yeah, at one point? they do. They absolutely do. So thank you for bringing that up. That's another one. Um, I was this close to getting that too. Um, this was way back when it first came out and I was managing, you know, employees out in, in uh, California. I was like, great, I better get this California uh, SHRM certification. And then when uh, my company at the time merged with another company, I, I literally, that was every, before everything was digital. We had the whole like CDs and everything. I packed it up and shipped it out to the HR director out there. I'm like, no, you're getting it now, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, HRCI is in the same boat, too. They've got a California certification study tool as well. HR California is such a big deal. Definitely follow Wendy's advice, follow up on that. Wendy, I got two things on discrimination I want to hit you with here. And these are very interesting. In Michigan, discrimination is not just based on race, age, or gender. It is also forbidden to discriminate against or harass someone at work because of their height or weight. That, co that covers you and me. I mean, I'm the fat guy, but you're the short girl. <laughs> I didn't mean to assume your gender, but I think you might be. I am she, her. Yes, there we Wendy are. Sellers, the HR lady. She, her is what I identify with. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's very interesting. I just did a uh, discrimination, um, you know, harassment training the other day. And I was talking about unique um, biases. So this wasn't even law but that there are actual biases, uh, you know, in the unconscious bias world for height, for weight, um, for attractiveness as well. And that if you are, for example, most presidents of the United States have been tall. And so you could look up what that is. And that so if you are tall, you were more likely to be seen as, I don't know, more confident, which makes no sense to me whatsoever, or attractive, or, um, you know, weight depends on different cultural norms. But, you know, in the U.S., it's usually somebody that's physically, physically fit. And so, and it's so wrong. It is so wrong. Um, so I'm glad to see that Michigan has this. My state, I live in the state of Florida, which most of you know, and we don't have a heck of a lot, a lot of unique laws um, or laws at all. It seems like it's the wild, wild west, even though we're in the, the south. But we actually do have a state law here that is uh, the traditional discrimination law is based on 40 for age is based on over the age of 40. You cannot discriminate against and in in. Florida, it's all ages. So you just take that off the table. But coming back up to the height, the weight, um, attractiveness, you know, anything that is on the, uh, you know, borderline bias, we should train our managers to to deal with that and ignore those cues because they're not part of the job description. You know, it's interesting, too, if you're a handsome man, you might get perks outside of the workplace. Right. But at work, it's been proven 
that handsome men do struggle. According to research, good-looking men are less likely to be promoted at work by male bosses. An interesting Mm. fact. Feel free to Google that. Research that. And let's flip it around (laughs) once again for discrimination one last time here. Arizona. Arizona law prohibits discrimination against workers who possess a medical marijuana card or who test positive for drugs. The majority of multi-state firms are not eligible for the exception for jobs that are essential to public safety because of its necessities that they establish a drug testing policy that complies with Arizona law. Oh, man, that one is definitely uh, interesting and I think necessary because uh, we we have so much going on with, you know, medical marijuana, uh, you or marijuana where you can just go into a state where it's legal, but it's still federally illegal, you yeah. know, so federally marijuana, regardless if it's uh, medical marijuana or not, is federally illegal. So many employers are just left going, okay, what are we going to do? It's federally legal. It's not legal in our state or it's legal in our state, but only with the medical marijuana card. What do we do? Uh, my rule of thumb, you know, it's different with every employer, like like you just mentioned about the safety sensitive position. So if you have any safety sensitive positions, especially if they require something like a DOT license, right, or DOT certification. Marijuana, any kind of drugs, whether they're legally obtained or not, are going to be off the table. You cannot typically be under the influence, especially if it's a federally mandated license, right? But if it's just a local um, or a company policy, you know, I told one of my clients about two years ago, who was a creative client, we'll just put it that way, uh, you know, artsy and creative. So I want to start testing. Um, I want to test this one candidate for <laughs> medic for marijuana because I think or for drugs because I Just think they're on this something. one person. Right. Yeah. And I was like, thank you for calling me first before you did so, <laughs> because are you prepared to test your entire creative uh, department? <laughs> she said, no. Right. I go, well, then we're not testing that person either because you're being judgy right now and you're showing bias. Uh, so it's it's basically all or nothing, give or take or few. Ms. All Wendy, right, so- I've got so many more topics here. We could probably make this an hour-long podcast in and of itself, but it <laughs> is that time. We have to head to a close. All right, everybody. So stay tuned. Come back in our next section where we're going to be talking a little bit more about employment laws that have recently changed across our con- our country Um, during the pandemic of all time. So stay tuned. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.